Hey everyone, and a massive welcome to the Dedicate Podcast. Here we speak to inspiring people about the highs and lows in their lives. We delve into our guest rock bottoms and learn how they pulled themselves out to achieve great things. You'll learn what makes them tick and they'll share their valuable life lessons to help you to get the most out of your life. We discuss various topics from health and fitness, motherhood, mental health, body image, business and more. It's a bit serious but it's also a lot of fun too. Kate here, your host. Welcome to the Dedicate Podcast. Today I chat to our fabulous postpartum and pregnancy coach Jess Baker. Jess is from Timaru, New Zealand, but lives currently in Switzerland with her husband and two children. In this episode, Jess openly discusses her experience with postnatal depression and gives her advice for anyone going through it or anyone that knows someone who is. Jess also gives valuable advice for postpartum and pregnant women and those with a leaky bladder. An interesting listen for everyone and a great chance to get to know Jess a bit more. Hey Jess, how are you going? Good, thank you. Yeah, great to have you here. You are our incredible, knowledgeable pregnancy and postpartum coach. So because that's your area of expertise, I thought we would go into um, that part of your life when you were living that side of things yourself. And I know you've had some challenges there and there may be many others who you are working with on Dedicate who may be going through similar things but don't realise that you did as well. So you had postnatal depression? Yes, and, and anxiety, yes. And anxiety. So describe to me the difference with those two. Yeah, sure. So uh, the difference between it for me personally, and I know other people as well, the anxiety is the thinking, the overthinking, yeah. uh, the over-worrying, um, the inability to kind of just tune out those those thoughts mm-hmm. uh, and the postnatal depression is more feeling hopelessness, um, yeah. feeling um, like there is, there's no drive to be doing anything that you used to find joy in. Um, it, for me, it didn't really manifest as like sadness. Um, it was more just feeling nothingness. Just real flat. Really flat. And people could be talking to you and you're just sitting there like, oh, cool. Like, and you know that you, you could be enthusiastic, but there's just some sort of block there, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, yeah, so that they manifested a little bit differently, um, but then they butted heads at times as well. Yeah, I was going to say, so were they at the same time or they? Yeah, yeah, I think anxiety has always been there mm-hmm. and uh, it just really came to front when you are sleep deprived. My, mm-hmm. my, my postnatal probably depression and anxiety came a lot from sleep deprivation. So, in was it first opinion, baby or second baby or both? Uh, first baby, certainly. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, awake at night time, thinking, thinking, worrying, worrying, like I know a lot of people do. Um, and then baby came along, and you know, the oh, you don't get much sleep as a normal sort of parent doesn't. Yeah. And then uh, I just never caught up on sleep. And then with the second baby, um, it just, yeah, it spiraled really. I didn't sleep very well. And then when he came along, I was awake at sort of 2 a.m. And then that was my day, started at like 2 a.m. And then. What time did you get to sleep? 
uh, like 10 or 11. So yeah. getting about three, four hours sleep. And it's a broken, of course, mm. it's broken sleep. So, yeah, my day would start at 2 a.m. and um, just never caught up on that that sleep debt and it wasn't actually just like oh you know you don't sleep well or you it was actually I was so sleep deprived that I needed to snap out of it or just sort of break that cycle um yeah so that's how it how it looked for me do you remember kind of the transition from it being sleep deprived to more than that yeah it was definitely after my second was born I was I can remember I, like I, the thing is, is that I had all the to- like a lot of tools already, and I'd I'd been to group therapy, and I'd I'd got things in place for myself, and I had a support network. But I just noticed that about four or six weeks postnatally with my second child, I was just very distant and um, quite vacant, <laughs> and just yeah, not finding joy in 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 anything. That was when the depression really probably started. But I didn't really know that that's what it was until probably about, he was about three months old, I would say three or four months old. And that's when I I can remember driving with both of the kids, them both being very sleep deprived themselves, you know, that, well, not sleep deprived, but they were, you know, babies, they were getting time for nap. It was a lot. We would. I just had this snap decision to go to the library, and we lived in the country, near the country at the time, and so driving there, it was a bit of a mission. We're about to be living. Were you in New Zealand? Yeah, you were in New Zealand. Yeah, in Pocono. Um, and so we drove to the local library just to get a break. And I remember thinking, this is not a clever idea because one, I'm tired. Two, it's nearly nap time. Three, they're hungry, you know, just just things that kind of built up. But in my mind, I thought I had to do it. And I remember driving back from there feeling so tired and just thinking to myself, and this may sound familiar to some people, but it also may sound shocking to some others, that um, I could just drive off into the ditch right now and I could then get a rest. Mm-hmm. No, and I've the, been there. Mm. yeah it didn't mean to hurt myself or my children but I just thought you know what if I did this someone else could I could maybe have a rest and have a break or get some sleep somehow um and I went home and I just cried and cried and just thought this is not okay to be thinking this way you know and it had had it had spiraled a couple of other times as well um and so that's when I realized that this is yeah this is not right so I uh rang my friend who was in the mental health space for maternal health and just said look I'm this is not all right and what's going on and she came out and saw me and yeah it kind of picked up from there I guess um so that's where it started about that you know when they go through that sleep regression at about yeah four four months yeah 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 and it was around that time when my hormones were a bit out of whack as well and yeah so it was it got pretty scary there was some not nice thoughts running through my mind Mm -hmm. as well you know um and they were becoming more frequent um so I knew that something had to change yeah so what did you do to change Uh, things so uh I got back into my group therapy session I got referred to my doctor um and who then makes a referral into the mental maternal mental health system this is in South Auckland so I know it's different in, in everywhere else but you needed a referral in, to, in order to get into the system then from there I got to be honest I got a little bit lost in the maternal mental health system 
we had to do a lot of advocating for ourselves um, as in I didn't have a few follow-ups and um, you know I got forgotten a little bit which is quite disappointing Um, but uh, especially when you're not in the capable mind to actually be doing and being proactive Mm. and I am a I'm a proactive person but in that state I wasn't so my husband had to do a little bit of that for me it's scary to think there'd be a lot of people out there who one don't have a strong support person or who aren't strong themselves who might get easily lost in the system yeah exactly and um the fact that I had already support networks in place too you know I could I felt it's when you have that you have a place of privilege and it's really sad that that's yeah Mm. what's available for everybody um so what did your um husband have to do to advocate for you um, yeah so he he had the number for the telephone that I had to be ringing and contacting the person um but other than that, we just kind of sat tight and um, he he was amazing. He rallied around friends and family and just, you know, let them know what's going on and things like that. Um, he really took the reins. In fact, I he looked after, I, I've said this a few times, but I was quite absent for the whole first year of my son's life. I really mm-hmm. don't feel I can remember things and events and things that happened. It's like, huh? Like, we're where was I? And he, he picked up a lot of the, um, the load for that. He'd sleep in the bedroom with my son. And, um, so yeah, I was very, very lucky to have someone that could do that. Um, which I know many people don't. And that's, Mm. um, I think we live in quite a, uh, what is it? Isolated world or, you know, in, in parenting, it's back in the day, you were surrounded by a whole lot of family and you're in a small neighborhood, but now we're actually quite by ourselves a lot of the time mm. um and I think that's, that's kind and of I sad, feel like yeah. the norm now is to do just so much for your kids just everyone's just mm-hmm. roaring around doing everything mm-hmm. like yes. taking them to this taking them to that and they can't not do this they can't not do that yes. it's quite intense yeah. isn't it yeah absolutely yeah did you get to take a break Yeah, so I actually checked into a uh, maternal mental health unit. So this was a bit before this, actually, but uh, I actually can't remember the timeline, but it's, yeah, so I checked into a maternal mental health unit. So what happens there? What does that look like? Because you think of mental health units sometimes can thought is a bit scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly what I thought when I got told that I could actually go there. It's more of a respite home, so... There's, you have your own bedroom. Um, I had Elijah, my son, with me. You didn't have to, but he came along with me because I was breastfeeding. Um, and you have a caregiver there, and she cooked the meals. She she sat down with you. You could put on the tally. Like, it was, it was freedom to do whatever you wanted within mm-hmm. the house. Um, and... There's a like there's a lovely bath there. You could relax. You know that you could you could, yeah you could do what you wanted to do. Um, and then they had it had some chats as well, and they set up a plan for for you moving mm-hmm. forward. Um, count there's a counselor came in and gave some like wellness talks and mental health talks and sleep health and um, yeah, it was just a really nice place to rest. As in, they cooked, they cleaned. They could take baby. In fact, they did. They took Elijah for the night, but he got a bit restless, so he came back in with me. Uh, 
and I was actually the only one in there at the time I think they hold about four people maybe at a time um, so it was nothing like I had envisioned you know you're stuck in your room and stark walls know. and you're trapped in yeah. there almost handcuffed no. to the bed yeah no it was not like that it's definitely like more of a recharged place um yeah and and it's I, I think in in South Auckland you can or in Auckland you have available for a year up to babies one years old to have uh, the ability to tap into these resources yeah. um, if you're referred from your doctor uh, yeah so that was that was what um, I got a bit of a rest and then my husband taking Eli at night times yeah. and sleeping in with him and I slept in the spare room for quite some time to just to really reset my brain and my sleep patterns mm-hmm. and so what other tools did you use to you know for your pathway to re- recovery uh, yes, uh, exercise was one of them. Um, it wasn't, you know, I previously would use exercise as an outlet to feel good, and I knew that that was what was missing. However, I also knew that it wasn't going to be the, you know, the cure. It, it was no, running was, much deeper than that. Yeah. It was going to be one of the things in your toolbox, but yes, yeah, you'd gone yes. beyond. Yeah, totally. Snapping yourself out of a negative move, mood with a workout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it had gone beyond that. Um, also, group therapy sessions. So it's like a, it's called Well Woman in Franklin in um, Pukekohe. Um, so that's a group session. So we would chat and we, it's, it's a beautiful space um, with women that are going through similar, similar mental distress. So all different stages of lives or all um, postnatal? Um, all postnatal, pregnant or okay, postnatal. Nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's um wonderful space. And I think there's quite a few around New Zealand it's similar. Um and uh actually I know this may seem strange, but I be started to blog. So I would get out what was in my mind or what was mm-hmm. brewing and then put it onto a blog and I didn't care if nobody read it it just got it out of my mind and yeah. I also found um, using a diary at night time um, sitting sitting in a dark room and literally if I couldn't get to sleep just writing it all down onto a, a piece of paper not rereading it in the morning because it didn't need to be reread it was just simply getting out my thoughts and that really really helped with the anxiety um, but um, looking at what I was eating as well, mm-hmm. I know that I was under fuel, fueling myself. I really was under eating. Uh, so looking at what I was yeah, consuming to give me some more energy and just adjusting that. Yeah. Um, and I also went on medication and mm-hmm. I know that it's, we're, we're really good in New Zealand now about mental health advocation and awareness but I, I, I just still do think there's a tiny stigma around using medication mm-hmm. um, to to best benefit mental health I know that I've got people in the space that feel the same and it's 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 something that still needs a bit of work on I feel is it kind of like if you're taking medication it's like the sign that yep you definitely have serious mental health issues instead of it being one of the tools along with exercise along with looking after yourself and taking me time you know it's kind of like the confirmation that someone's crazy sort of is that do you think that's kind of how people see it so oh it must be bad if you've got medication yeah I think there's definitely a part of that um even I think we've shifted now from 
we, we yeah, like I said, we talk a lot more around awareness and, and things, but yeah, there's definitely that still that stigma. I think it's also around that people will then stay on it and use it. Um, yeah. Whereas and that they're not doing the other things that they're just going to yeah. leave their life how it is and take some medication, kind of almost like it's a plaster over. It's 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 really not because people need to also understand that there could be like for my for me I actually had a chemical imbalance yeah. in my brain mm-hmm. from sleep deprivation I yeah. was lacking melatonin I was mm-hmm. lacking things that actually needed to be chemically rejigged mm. um, to then and then that, me that reprieve to allow you yeah. to do those other things that give you joy in your life yeah exactly yeah. maybe if there was you know we could look at hindsight and think oh if there were other things put in place maybe that wouldn't have happened but it was it was eventually the sleep deprivation that broke so Um, I was going to ask that about around prevention so in your case do you think there could have been a way to prevent it happening or prevent it getting so bad um I think I've always I've always had I got diagnosed with mild depression and anxiety at university. Okay. So I think it's always been there and I've been able to to do those sort of smaller interventions mm-hmm. like movement, exercise, sunshine, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that I know work. Um I think one of the things that would have eased the anxiety which would then have a- eased the sleep. You would have got more sleep, yeah. Yeah, would have been to lower my expectations of what I thought everything had to look like and should look like mm-hmm. in parenting because in parenting, in life, that's what used to keep me up at night. Also dealing with the worrisome thoughts of... What if something should... happens to them, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So having some other sort of strategies and tools around how to help that I think would have really eased the anxiety and I don't I wasn't at a level in my first pregnancy to do that whereas in my second I was but I still I just think I was actually still too far gone (laughs) with um, sleep deprivation but yeah I think having some sort of realistic expectation I wish someone had just kind of grabbed me and said look it doesn't have to be this way yeah so um, is that are you hard on yourself in general in your life or was it mostly around parenting? Probably around parenting. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd say I'd have expectations. You have high standards for yourself, yeah. Yeah, but I've, they've slipped. <laughs> I, I think they've slipped. Just, well, they've, they've softened a bit more hmm. because I realised that me trying to, to have those expectations actually doesn't help me. So, and, I, and I've become okay with that. Nice. That when that would have been that would have been a big process, and I bet it's still um, you still have to deal with it all the time. Sort of remind yourself that what yeah. you're doing, is, yeah. you know, how you're approaching your life is the right the right way. The right way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For me, that's the key thing is that it might not be for everyone, but that's how it works for me. Mm. And I think um, also letting go of people looking into the lens of my life and thinking, oh, you know, oh gosh, what a like, what a messy house I'm looking at my clothes pile right now yeah <laughs> that's a messy clothes pile but that will get dealt to in the meantime I'm dealing with other stuff or, yeah you know yes and letting those go and at this time of year it can get really full-on can't it and I've been trying to tell myself some of the same things so the dishwasher's broken down mm. then the washing machine luckily my husband fixed that one I was like I don't think I can cope if both are down at the same time 
looking and going, I've been in this situation before. <laughs> Actually, every day I look at my house and want to look at the things I've got to do and can get stressed if I let myself. Do I remember this time last year? Do I remember that feeling? So does it matter? No, it doesn't. Breathe. Do what you've got to do. Don't stress yourself over the small things. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The best saying that I got told from, in fact, the lady, the first lady I contacted when I was in my really mental health distress, she said, don't should on yourself, you know, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Should it look like this? Should it? She said, just remove the shoulds Mm -hmm. because that lessens what you put the pressure that you put on yourself. Um, And the other thing is she said, is it, so this is more kind of pertaining to baby, but is it safe and does it work? So that's when you're questioning, oh, should I, you know, there's that should word, but, um, you know, do, oh, I don't know if I want to give them the dummy because let's, who, this person said this, this person said this. And you have to ask yourself, well, first of all, is it safe? And then can you tick those boxes? Yes. And does it work for you, for baby and your situation? And if you can tick the box of yes, then then go for it. It's, it's one that I think is really helpful when trying to make decisions and you've got all that anxiety around, oh, gosh, 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 you know, what's mm-hmm. this, what's that? Yeah, so is it safe and does it work? It's, it's something that I've used quite often still. Yeah, great. Because how, how old are your children now? Uh, four and six. Four yes. and six, nice. And tell us a bit about your life now. You live in Switzerland. Yes, we're in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. But you're from Tamaru? Yes, T-Town, Tamaru, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we came over for my husband's work and it's been a bit of an adventure. It's good. Yeah. yeah. And so how are things in Switzerland in general at the moment with COVID? And... Oh, I think things are on the rise at the moment with this new strain. Lots of places have been on the um, quarantine list so because we kind of came just before things started to get locked down so we we have experienced things we've experienced incredible things but we would love to just do a little bit more you know and while we've got the audience I thought um, we'd just go into a wee bit of your studies so um, you are our pregnancy and postnatal coach on dedicate and what I love about your journey is before you got your personal training certificate you studied pregnancy and postpartum exercise yes so where did you do that Uh, I did the borough education um, through yeah through borough education um, a live course and then I did my NZ New Zealand Institute of Sport personal training certificate and you were always passionate about that space was this pre-babies so yeah so yeah it's funny I've I don't know if you've got time, but it was a quick backstory. Um, you know, I was looking time. to change careers and I was teaching and I was yeah looking not to change careers, but just to incorporate something different into my teaching. Mm-hmm. So I signed up to do personal training course and, and take like a sabbatical um, off teaching and then go back into teaching. I wanted to work with pregnant people because I had a few, few of my students uh, were pregnant. Okay. And it just interests and fascinated you for some reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why. Oh, no, I do know why. Also, my sister-in-law was pregnant and she okay. wanted to exercise, but she didn't know what to do. Um, I signed up to my this the NZIS personal training course 
And literally the day that I signed the papers to do it, got accepted. I took a pregnancy test because I was feeling a bit gross. And yeah, um, yeah I was pregnant. So <laughs> it's just a bit bizarre. So yeah, yeah. I got put on the back burner and um, then had my children and then, oh no, in between. And then, yeah, did my my borough education and have continued to upskill since. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to move on to some advice for others. So for people out there who are suffering from anxiety or postnatal depression, what would be your advice? Mm. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, have somebody in your corner that you trust to to talk to and to know what's going on and to perhaps be your advocate um, to helping and getting seeking help because when you're in that uh, especially with depression if you're in that state it's really hard to do it for yourself um, so having someone that knows doesn't have to know your whole story but just having um, knows what to look out for or what are some signs that things may be slipping and having them advocate for you um, and I think another thing would be to not feel that reaching out to services not to feel that you are a burden mm -hmm. it's 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 common phrases that come up in this in the mental health space is that you feel like you're a burden to seek help and to use resources and to ask for help and <laughs> And is some of that because your self-worth is diminished because of your depression? So you think that you're not worth it? Like, worth it. and uh, but Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. It could be a factor of it. Uh, also, that you, uh, for me as a person, I don't like to put people out. I remember doing this, like, literally. I, and my, when my friends found out, they were like, why didn't you tell, like, why didn't you tell mm. us? Or why didn't you say, look, can you take my kids? And I just... I, I said to them, I didn't want to bother you. And they were mm. like, well, you bothering us, we would prefer that than you, you know, mm. not being happy. People like um, to help, don't they? They do. They want to help. Absolutely. And I think also the other thing for anyone that's feeling, feeling if it, if it extends for a, a little bit longer than say, I don't want to give a day, but, you know, the baby blues have passed and mm -hmm. it's still lasting and things are still there and lasting, then that's perhaps an indication to seek some some support. Mm -hmm. um, and to this was something that I thought that if I tell people my truth, then they will whisk me away and strap me to a bed mm -hmm. and I'll never see my children or something like that. That's the catastrophizing that went through my brain mm -hmm. and it's a very common one for women. So I just want people to know that that is not what will happen mm -hmm. and that unless something is an unsafe situation, it's not something that would generally be occurring. Mm -hmm. So to, to understand that that is not how it looks in the maternal mental health system, I think yeah. it's really important for people to know that mm -hmm. because sometimes that is a barrier for seeking that help and support. Great advice. Thank you. And what about for someone who has a friend or a family member that they know is really struggling and they're not sure how to help or if they should help even. It's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I would say 
if you if you know that they if you, if they've changed the way in which they perhaps used to be, they're not they're not as joyous, they're not as themselves, like you know. Um, really just being honest with them. I know it can be really a hard thing to, to, to put to someone, but come at it that with love and kindness and say, I'm here, I'm um, you're not a burden. So have that in your toolbox, you know, mm-hmm. tell you, you you having me do something for you, you're not burdening me with your issues or, or you know, your thoughts. I'm a listening ear. I think that's that would be really kind. And but yeah, being a listening ear that's impartial. So mm-hmm. going going into a situation with no judgment. Um and yeah, being on that level where you just listen because um Sometimes that's what people need. And mm-hmm. then being, if they want you to be, be their advocate. But yeah, it is a, it's a hard one to approach because maybe they are actually feeling fine in themselves, but it's just having that conversation. I think that they would appreciate it more than if things were left yep. to fester. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, another question I had for you is something you are very good at is using the correct anatomy for body parts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a hard one for many of us because we've been brought up not using the correct ones. Yeah. So how do we change that narrative? And do we have to? I know I've, and I've read so often that it's so important for our kids to use the correct oh. terms. Yes. So talk us through why it's important. Yeah, I think it's important so then for us to use for them to use as well, because then it become they become their own body advocate, and that they have then um, ownership of their body. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds what well, it is their body, but sometimes in some circumstances it's not their body, because, mm, or it could be used by someone else at some point. Whatever you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah no. Ex- exactly, and it means that they then. <sighs> again don't feel uncomfortable talking about things like incontinence like you know people don't talk about it people don't talk about prolapse people don't talk about these things because we get this shyness or this as if we we it's not okay but if the more we talk about it at mm-hmm. a younger age then it becomes more common and then therefore there's more uh, help and support and being proactive in these things rather than letting them sit I think would be um, is, is a really good good thing to be doing with them um, and it's funny because I you know I talk I'm a biology teacher so I also don't have any any qualms about speaking yeah. about it so we've it makes got sense that. too yeah yeah <laughs> so we've got the the body book here with my kids and they all know the words you know the scientific words but then we still say you know, we still say Willie and we still say Fanny because like if they heard it from their friends, they might mm. be like, oh, well, what? Well, they don't want to be also left out. And they might start it. using the anatomical ones sort of in an almost inappropriate yeah. times or no, it's not, but it's yeah. just not accepted in our society kind of. Yeah. 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 So I think it just, it just, again, it goes to that empowerment. They have control over, they can talk about it and it doesn't feel like a shame thing. Um, yeah, especially for females, I think it's, well, males and females, but certainly females growing up, I think it's just becomes not a shame thing. Yeah. You know? um, it's just part of your body. 
yeah, using those words can mean that, say, further on down the track you need treatment or you need help or support, you can actually just say, oh, it's this rather than this. And and so what about advice too for a big thing that I find a lot of women um, who don't identify as being postpartum oh. um, but are still leaking during exercise, they're doing lots of hit strength, their kids are older, yeah. they think maybe they should go and do some healing, but they sort of put themselves in the, oh, I was too far gone basket, I'm already in this and it's embarrassing to have to do that and I can't be bothered to slow down. What can they do to kind of keep doing roughly what they're doing but still help? Yeah. Um, the first thing is that you're never too, uh, it's never too late to, mm -hmm. to seek help at all. Um, and um, I think that... I think seeing somebody like a pelvic floor physiotherapist is the number one thing. If you're the person that wants to keep go, go, going, um, doing some, like, like on the Dedicate platform is doing some core connects and yeah. turning into that, that part of the, the body, first of all, and, and getting familiar with your pelvic floor and your core and how you're holding yourself and your body. And then most of the time when you're doing a certain exercise, are you experiencing more leaking in, in this exercise when you jump or is it when you're lifting your weights? Are you breath holding? You can go through a whole lot of checklist um, to figure out what's actually going on and when it's happening. So for anyone listening out there, that's called Core Connect on Dedicate. And Anna, our head trainer, has been doing those when her kids are in the bath most nights. <laughs> Yes, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I think at some point we have to, if we, if, at some point we have to ask ourselves if what my, if my lifestyle that I'm continuing on doing and pushing myself, where will that put me in 10, 20, 30 years time? And I know we don't, we don't look for that far, but I can tell you now the prevalence of incontinence in women over 50s, 60s is really significantly increasing and it's estimated about I think I found a statistic the other day it's like 85% of people in in homes are in incontinence nappies it's wow. it's yeah it's pretty um high statistics and so I guess if we don't want to be in that point and do you think is, is most of that because of <clears throat> of birth and not doing the right strengthening repair it, it, it could be, it could be, or it could be, you know, as we age, our um, our ligaments and our muscles do decrease. Mm. And, and if we're not using those muscles, then exactly. they're just going to yeah. deteriorate, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think also having people realise that the pelvic floor is a muscle, mm. and it's just like any muscle, it needs to strengthen, it needs to relax, it needs to contract, yeah. um, to, to carry our load. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's a hard one. It's it's almost a bit of a mental check if you've got to just take a few steps back to then yeah. really push forward. It will be worth it in the long in the long run. Yeah, yeah and doing those those core connects of five to fifteen minutes. I was doing some. I need to get back into it again. Um, in those times and thinking it as kind of like rest and repair or restore, and maybe not having to think of it as part of your exercise. Think of it as your me time or you know a bit like meditation yeah or, yeah 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 meditation with um private words yeah. <laughs> <Spider> and <laughs> yeah yeah you will get a giggle as well 
Um, the other thing a lot of people don't realise is a lot of people think that they have weak mm. pelvic floors, but a lot of the time people have overactive pelvic floors, don't they? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, there's this idea that you've got to have a strong pelvic floor, as in mm -hmm. hold your pelvic floor for ages. And yeah, but it's actually probably more common to have, um, uh, yeah, a, a tighter, tighter pelvic floor muscle, and so. I really liked your your analogy with the um, like if you're holding your bicep up really tight all day, firm as you can, and then someone placed a weight on it, it's just going to give. Yes, yeah, exactly. So if you imagine that in your pelvic floor, right? If you're constantly tight and tense most of your day, you're holding your core and you're sucking things in, and then all of a sudden, you know, you go for your nightly run, and you're just your pelvic floor has been working so hard to keep that urine in or you know to work the way it's kind of meant to work as soon as you add that load or that jump or that cough it's you may experience your your mm -hmm. leaking because it's just head up it's had enough for the day yeah yeah it makes total so, sense yeah so including relaxation and, and we do find a lot of people that are tight stress you know hold tension in their necks and their jaws oh the jaws a big one isn't it out there everyone make note of what your jaw is doing right now and I bet yeah, yeah almost all of us have suddenly relaxed it yeah 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 as soon as you just just visualize relaxing your jaw lowering your jaw imagine like chocolate running down your neck softening and there your pelvic floor just releases and relaxes mm, it's nice <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right we're going to finish now thank you so much for that Jess um I'm going to finish with some fun questions to lighten the mood a bit so um jumping squats or jumping lunges squats I don't think I'd ever meet anyone that would choose jumping lunges oh my no my knees I don't think would cope <laughs> yeah. so would you rather train a pregnant person or a postpartum person big you know question I yeah I would probably <laughs> say both on equal ground, but I find pregnancy can set them up more successfully postnatally as well. So yeah. yes, that makes sense. So how do you remain active during pregnancy? What is your best advice for women to yeah, keep so, going with their exercise? Yeah, just keep keep moving, um, but modifying things if if need. Well, yes, you will need to modify things. Um, you it's recommended to be working out 150 minutes per week at a moderate intensity, which is actually about, what's that, four, 4.30s? No, I'm not good with maths, but it's, it's still a good chunk of, of, your, of your week if you mm -hmm. don't want to do it in big lots. Um, so keeping active really as much as possible. Um, it's going to benefit you and your baby. Yeah, and, and um, there's research says, oh, you know, you'll have a better birth, but that's pretty, that's kind of irrelevant, but your, your postnatal journey may be different in that mm -hmm. you might be a bit more in tune with how things are going in your body etc so um yeah it's beneficial in that and you're i mean you're you're just going to be stronger in general aren't you and fitter and able to cope with yes the even day-to-day -day things yeah. yeah i found it hard to keep exercise going after feeling so sick you know in the mm -hmm. first 12 to 15 weeks and then sort of get out of the groove and it sort of becomes less and less and then you yeah. think oh well just do it after yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. I think giving yourself some grace in those first weeks those first sort of 12-ish weeks is, mm -hmm. is 
you know, you do what you can without pushing it and then sort of start up after feeling good. And it's getting rid of that 100% all in or all out attitude. And I think a lot of people have exercise associated with weight management or weight loss. So when they're pregnant, they're not, they're just focusing on growing a baby. When the narrative needs to be switched to think about exercise as a way to look after yourself. And if someone's got that mentality, then they're probably more likely to keep exercising during pregnancy. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because the benefits are, yeah, pretty massive, really. Mm. All right, back to the fun. Ice cream or chocolate? Ice cream. Even though I'm like lactose intolerant, I'll still choose ice cream. (laughs) Classic. We normally say free the foo-foo, but we better use a correct anatomy. Free the vagina in your in your tights or wear knickers. <laughs> you haven't been listening to our podcast, have you? You busted. I, I didn't know. I didn't hear this one. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, no, I'm I'm underwear. I'm an underwear. Okay. Yeah, that's I'm... fine. You do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So when you guys are filming, you're not up there. Yeah, but we're, we've got tights on. <laughs> we're not going to creep you out. Is it, yeah. is it not uncomfortable? Yeah. yeah it is uncomfortable. Love it. I love it. Uh, now I'm going <laughs> to film tomorrow. Now what I'm going to wear. <laughs> love it. Um, sunrise or sunset? Oh, sunset. Sunset. Mm. Pee in the shower, yes or no? Yes. Six in the morning or afternoon? Oh, afternoon or four. I meant night. But maybe night. afternoon. Six in the morning or afternoon? Night time. Cool. Yeah. Text or call? Text. I'm awkward. Yeah, text. <laughs> lipstick or lip gloss? Stick. Lipstick. Yeah. Nice. Cook tea or wash dishes? Cook tea. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Soup or salad? Oh, um, salad for the crunch. Yeah. Cool. Singlet or t-shirt? T-shirt. Yeah. Netball or basketball? I know you play both those sports. Oh, 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 that's, um, you know what? I'm finding a lot of joy at, at shooting hoops at our local basketball. Cool. So I'm going to go basketball. Yeah. Awesome. I would tend to agree. I've played a lot of both and netball was like from a very young age, but basketball's just got so many more elements to it. Yes. Yeah. And netball just, yeah. Who wants to be outside running around in a skirt? In the <laughs> yeah, much cooler in baggy shorts inside. Um, sports bra or underwear? Oh, sports bra, yeah. G-string or normal? Oh, do you know what? I've actually switched to G-strings. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, that probably works similar. with the tights. The tights, yeah. <laughs> as long as they're a good pair of tights, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, do you dye your hair? No, no. No greys coming yet? Yeah, there's a few straight. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay, though. Free the greys. I'm just going to, yeah, roll with it. Yeah. Um, brunch or lunch? Mm. Brunch, yeah. We miss brunch. They don't do it here. Oh, don't they? No. no. Is, it, is it not a thing? Not really. There's a few that do, but it's not really a thing, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's more of a um, siestas. Oh, no, that's not. That's not Switzerland. That's, that's um, Spain. They have aperitivo, aperitivo, aperitivos at like, like a late lunch, long lunch. Yeah. They're drinking at like one o'clock. Yeah. It sounds quite fun though. Uh, could be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they do it actually. They go straight back to work. 
Oh, so they drink, they drink and then go there to work. Yeah, for till like it... six o'clock at night. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> it's interesting. I eh? so many different ways of doing the same thing, of getting the same yeah. thing done, but different way. Okay, um, comedy or thriller? Comedy, yeah. Big or little spoon? Um, little. Mm, cute. Yeah. <laughs> I think my skills would be little, wouldn't they? Yeah, my arm goes dead if I'm big spoon. Like, yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think if maybe you're lying next to someone smaller, but it just makes no sense if they're bigger than you. That's all we've got. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom. Yeah, thank you for having me chatting. No problems. I th you've been talking quite quietly. I think it's because the kids are asleep, isn't it? Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it is oh. true. Oh, yeah. I'm not too quiet. What is it? Yeah, it's nine o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for being a trainer on Dedicate as well. We love having you. And yeah, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks ciao, so much, ciao. Jess. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Dedicate podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when new episodes launch. There's only one more to go in season two. Other great episodes from season two to check out if you miss them are Dr. Micah Newhouse, How to Thrive, Tony Street, Grief, Love, Illness and Everything in Between, Genity Sharp, Domestic Violence to Self-Love and Helping Others. Dedicate is the online health and fitness community for busy women. If you're not already a member, check out our free trial at kateivyfitness.com. Get fit, feel great, come build a healthy, sustainable lifestyle with us.